0: You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Early in the morning, rising to the street, light me up that cigarette.
1: What's up, everybody? Hey, we are so excited to be joining together today to bring you a new show called Compassion Flow Radio. I'm Carly Gable.
0: I'm Logan Burden.
1: And we are going to be talking to you about all things compassion. Um, We're here to open up your minds to the world of compassion. And we're going to do that by bringing on a couple different types of guests. So let's tell you about the types of guests we're going to be bringing on.
0: Get into it. (laughs) This is uh, Kit. She's our special guest today. She's our uh, spotlight.
1: Yeah, so we're going to be doing patient spotlights. We're going to be having three different types of guests on our radio show. Um, so we're going to be doing patient spotlights. We're going to be talking about people who have overcome real adversities in their life, have found real solutions, and we're going to be talking to them about the things they've done and trying to bring hope, show people that there are options out there. What other kinds of guests are we going to have, Logan?
0: Um, really, just any guest that has anything... To say about the cannabis community, um, anything that's going to be really dealing with compassion, helping others for you know little to nothing, um, just really helping people to do good and be altruistic. I mean, yeah. So we're gonna spot. be
1: we're gonna be bringing brands on. We're gonna be looking at companies who really have put compassion as their mission, um, and then we're also gonna be looking at like you know policy, like what are the laws around compassionate care right now? What laws are still needed? What's really going on? So we're going to keep you guys in the loop of all of those things. So without further ado, our first episode, we're going to be doing a patient spotlight. So this is Kit Livingston. Hello.
2: Hey, it's good everybody. to be here with you.
0: Thank you for being here with yes. us. Yes. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. It. Kit's an incredible woman. She has an incredible story to share with you guys, and I'm just really, really excited to get right into it. So... Um, yeah, why don't you just
2: tell us about what has brought you here? Where, where did you, your journey start? Well, I was invited to talk about my cancer journey, actually. And that started in September of 2015. I'd gone to my Well Woman exam, my annual. I hadn't actually been there for a couple of years and decided it was time to check back in with my general practitioner. And as she was doing an exam, she discovered a tumor in my left breast. And it was actually so big that she gasped. And I hadn't done any self-exam, which is a really good nudge for all you ladies out there. It's really important, and men, actually. You really do need to learn how to do a self-exam. So she um, sent me for an ultrasound and discovered that I had a tumor. And um, the next thing that they scheduled, obviously, was a biopsy and um, found that I had a very aggressive form of breast cancer and they wanted, this was on a Friday when I was told about the aggressiveness of it. And they wanted me to start chemotherapy on Monday, actually, because the tumor at that point was three centimeters. So it was already fairly large. And um, they wanted to they wanted to start the chemo and radiation to shrink the tumor before doing a mastectomy. And um, I just told them that I needed some time to, th- you know, to think about how I wanted to approach it. And I did, I took the weekend. And I did some research and just, you know, really meditated, sat with it and just decided that chemotherapy and radiation was not an option for me. And um, I decided to instead (laughs) start a journey of healing it naturally, which everybody thought I was nuts. (laughs) You know, cancer, when you say cancer, especially aggressive, it's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, But I started... um, to feel actually comfortable when I started reading about the different options out there. And um, to back up, my girlfriend um, had died from esophageal cancer at 36 years old. And Mm. I remember um, thinking, watching her go through that journey, thinking to myself, gosh, if I ever get cancer, I'll never do chemotherapy because um, it just didn't do her any good. She had died within a year of being diagnosed and she had Three small children. It was devastating, wow. and she okay. was so young. So, I decided there had to be a you know, a, you know, a different way. And when she was diagnosed, I started doing research actually, and um, I felt when I w- you know when I got cancer, I, you know, I felt confident that I could do this holistically. So I got to work. Um, I put together a protocol. I started juicing. I read about coffee enemas and how beneficial they are um, for detoxing the liver. And um, I started doing two of those a day, um, and um, just other dietary changes, especially mm-hmm. you know switching to a raw food, primarily raw food diet, eliminating dairy, you know all the things that they tell you you should eliminate when you're doing a detox. And um, after a couple of weeks of that, um, we had heard about a clinic down in Mexico in Sonada that. Um, treated stage one and two cancers and we made an appointment and we drove down to Ensenada and met with the microbiologist there and um, he had told me well your cancer your cancer marker is at 15.6 he said and um, he gave me the treatment plan it would have been an intravenous feeding of vitamin C laetrile DMSO and I'd already researched that I knew that that was the right treatment plan and um, but we had obligations back in the state so I couldn't start right away so we came home and I just continued with my treatments and a month later um, drove back down to Ensenada to start that eight week eight it um, was an eight-week treatment he told me and he said but since you've been gone a month and I haven't seen you in a month I want to take your blood again to find out where you're at and this was so so awesome guys he said um, he was blown away. He said, your cancer marker dropped to 11.4. He, he asked me, he said, did you start chemotherapy? Are you doing some kind of form of conventional treatment? Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not. He goes, I have never in my career known anyone to reduce their cancer marker. And he asked me, what have you been doing? He said, would you share this with my other patients? So at that point, I felt really confident that what I was doing was working right, and yeah. proceeded to um, do the cancer treat- treatment with him. And it dropped to um, eight started at five you know 15.6 I got it down to 11.4 and then with his treatment for five weeks I got it down to eight he said that would indicate that the cancer is no longer active Wow and that was in um, that was the beginning of January and then in April I went and did a thermography and the thermography showed that I had um, that the cancer had infiltrated my lymph nodes and that the cancer was active so we drove back down to Ensenada and I said, you know, I just need you to help me. What do I do now? Because the tumor was so big. And when you're treating a cancer tumor naturally, right, the goal is to reduce it to a point of a lumpectomy. Of You know, that's the worst case scenario. But really, you're trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Your body is designed to take anything that's not supposed to be there and break it down and eliminate it, right? But with the tumor being incredibly large, I got scared. Yeah. So, and he even said, I think at this point, you just need to start over. You need to go have a mastectomy, have it removed, and just, you know, a, you know, a reset. And that resonated for me. So we went home, and in May, I had um, a mastectomy, had it removed. And, you know, the reconstruction surgeries that followed, I definitely didn't want to do implants because, you know, I didn't want my immune system to be distracted, trying to take care of this foreign substance in my body. Mm-hmm. So I just... um did the best I could with what I had. And um, ever since then, um, was well, since I had the reconstruction, they w- then wanted to put me on tamoxifen. And I thought, well, let me research that and see if there's an alternative for that. And when I read the long list of possible things that could happen with tamoxifen, I decided that I didn't wanna do that. Yeah. But I came across this blog, it was really informative. And she had mentioned um, in her blog, something about leaky gut and the symptoms of leaky gut. And I thought, oh, wow, that sounds like I could have leaky gut. And that's when I decided, okay, well, let's figure out what caused the breast cancer. Let me back up here. What actually caused me to get breast cancer? And I started connecting the dots to my health history, my health story and discovered that it really originated from a condition called gut dysbiosis. So I wanna stop you right there for
1: a second. Okay. So let's back up because this sounds like this is a journey and a process of things you had to do all Mm -hmm. on your own. So from your your actual doctor, I mean, did you
2: have any support? No, I didn't because Everyone that I went to go see, I I even went and saw a naturopath and Mm. she wanted me to do chemotherapy. So I really did feel like I was on my own, right? I didn't really have any support. My general practitioner was very leery. She was very worried for me. Um, So no, I, I created a protocol all on my own. And I did that through research. There's a great docu-series out there called The Truth About Cancer. And it's a nine part series. I watched that three or four times. I think. And they interview a lot of different doctors who specialize in natural medicine and healing chronic illness like cancer. So I gleaned a lot of really helpful information from from that and just my own research and applied actually what resonated for me, right? We all know what our body needs if we just listen, if we just tap in. And whenever something resonated for me, like, gosh, that just sounds like that would work for me, I applied it. Right. Yeah. And that had to do with the supplements, the coffee enemas even, because even when I was reading about that, I'm like, what? Coffee <laughs> enema? It just sounded so foreign. But I did it and, it and it had a tremendous impact. So, I mean, these things, they work and they're inexpensive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So, well, and I think you make a really good point because you're talking about
1: really having to get back in tune with your own body and have a conversation and see what's going on. And I think... So many people are kind of out of touch with their bodies nowadays mm-hmm. um, especially
2: because you know inflammation it really affects the brain but two cancer is just so scary they just want it taken care of they want it gone right. and they'll do whatever they can just to restore their health not realizing that chemotherapy is a poison it's designed to kill all the cells so once you've depleted all the cells good and bad right in your system what do you have then to support your immune system for healing right and thing that I don't think they make really clear about chemotherapy is it doesn't kill the stem cell of cancer. So Can you once explain a little bit more with well, that? Well, there's yeah. the stem cell of cancer that just lives on, you know, and um, they've got this one therapy out. I just read about it the other day where they treat the patient with insulin before they give the patient chemotherapy. And what it does is it opens up the cell to receive that sugar, mm-hmm. the insulin, the faux fo- sugar, and that way, the chemotherapy can get in the cells and then kill the stem cell. But just plain chemotherapy, it just doesn't really do anything. Take so, it out. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so once you've killed all all your good cells and bad cells, you don't have an immune system then to help you heal. So, and the stem cells can just bring it right back. The stem cells are there. It you know just when I think about it, it's like an alien ship just <laughs> over yes. there, just lying dormant mm-hmm. until the system then. Because tumors actually is the immune system because cancers are actually a natural part of our biology, right? And they only start multiplying when something has gone awry, right? And for me, it was gut dysbiosis that then led to leaky gut, right? And there's actual documentation on the PubMed, the government website showing gut dysbiosis linked to breast cancer. Wow. So for me, it was me, I just wanted to figure out what what i was doing what was going inside my body that allowed cancer to advance right. so i just took a um i just you know decided to take a look at my health history and i literally traced it all the way back and i figured out by reading obviously and getting little hints that from here and there that it was gut dysbiosis and since i've healed my gut my health i can't even begin to tell you how much it's improved i wow. mean it's amazing so the so for me it was never the focus about the cancer it was what's going on and why did it advance, let me go heal that. Right, so instead of, I mean, I feel like a lot of times when you're doing
1: chemotherapy and you're taking away the tumor, you're not addressing what actually caused it to be there in the first place,
2: exactly.
0: Well, a big part of um, today's medicine, I feel like they, like you said, Kit, earlier was, um, it's just, they just wanna get it out, you know, it's Mm -hmm. scary, it's scary to the patient and then the doctor doesn't really do much to take away the fear and they're, again, they're just like, let's cut it out, let's, you know, kill it off with the chemo, um, and like you said, there's nothing left after doing those things to help your immune system. And if you're already struggling from something like cancer and now they're gonna make an incision and then we're gonna cut this off of you, your body is just like you said, being thrown further into a state of disarray. So
2: Absolutely, that's exactly what's going on. So this takes
1: us back to talking about leaky gut. So how did you, like, let's talk about the process of how you kind of figured out like, well, what what is this actually stemming from?
2: Yeah, leaky gut is caused by, um, well, first you get gut dysbiosis. Gut dysbiosis is an imbalance in your gut flora. All disease begins in the gut. You know, Hippocrates said that how many centuries ago, you know, and it's still true today. And if you factor in, right, all of the processed foods and the dyes and the toxins, I mean, it's not just what you're putting into your body, what you're consuming, it's everything around you. Yeah. Right. You get in your car and you've got this upholstery that's been heating up all day, and you've got all these, these um, halide, you know, these halides that then seep into your pores. So you're mm-hmm. getting it from the outside. You're ingesting it on the inside, and with um, the way processed foods are made, you've got a lot of trans fat. So it's causing a tremendous amount of inflammation, and then it throws your gut flora off. But then the inflammation creates. Uh, a situation where it's it's malabsorption. You're not able to even ingest or pull in, absorb the um, the nutrients that you're eating. So um, it really begins with that, and then chronic inflammation. So um, it's how, you know you have to get the inflammation down, and then leaky gut starts by the impermeability in your stomach lining. It's literally little holes. So when you do ingest something, and it's going in through your intestines, it's actually leaking out into your bloodstream. So for me, leaky gut expressed itself as cancer, but it could be lupus. It could be fibromyalgia oh, okay. for someone else.
0: Another form of inflammation essentially just exactly got disease. Got right. So
2: it just metabolic disease wasn't even a word until the 1970s. That's wow. when they took iodine out of the food supply. Iodine is something else too that I found out that we're all severely lacking because um, you go back to the 1940s, they had a huge outbreak of goiter in children and the... Um, They call it the Ohio Belt, and um, it was from a lack of iodine in the ground where they were growing the food. So they started supplementing our food supply with iodine, which took care of that. So if you were eating pasta and bread, it's in table salt, you know, you were getting adequate amounts of iodine. Well, in the 1970s, they took that out, and they replaced it with bromine. Bromine is a halide, and what bromine does is it fills your cells, and anytime you do ingest iodine, the cells force it out so we're all severely lacking in iodine and then since the 1970s prostate breast breast cancer thyroid cancer has been on the rise and being diagnosed today at pandemic proportion yeah wow. right so and there must be a link so yeah there i mean there definitely is and um, another thing that they did around the 19, I think it's the 1970s was the fat free craze right where yeah. where they said don't eat fat it causes heart disease well now, finding out that that's not nas- you know, necessarily the case. And since then, Alzheimer's, think about it, dementia mm. has been on the rise. Being diagnosed at pan. I mean, they're making places for people to go live for Alzheimer's and dementia now right. because there's so many people being diagnosed with the Community it.
0: Well, of it, even.
2: Your yeah. brain is 60% fat. Your brain needs what it is, right? So, in order to be healthy and to thrive, it needs fat. And they told us to stop eating fat because it was causing heart disease. So if you're not um, getting the right amount of fat, then you're predisposed for some kind of brain illness later in life, even earlier now. I mean, you're, It's getting people are younger and younger that are getting diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. So it's amazing. I mean, how everything in our environment, our diet, all these
1: things can have such profound impacts on our health. And yet we don't have doctors having these conversations with us when we have these problems come up. Yeah. We don't have the conversation of what are these toxins in my environment that could be contributing to this problem that I have right now. Um, it's just, it's really lacking. So thank you for coming here today and, um, and talking. Like I'm really excited to really get into maybe some of these things that you found, um, the different treatments that you've used and any, any type of regimen um, that you put into place, things that other people can then, you know, go and research these things and, and try to put some things into place for them to see if they can find help.
0: Well, and it's too, like, I mean, there's always a balance, um, at least in my opinion, of the health side of things and then the scientific side of things. Like you eventually went to see a microbiologist instead of like, you know, say a surgeon Mm -hmm. or a general practitioner. So it's like, where do you draw the line that this has now become a more cellular level scientific disease or issue versus, you know, your regular everyday I can go to the doctor and take care of this. Um, The conversation like you were saying, Carly, needs to happen between... You know the heads of the medical field and then the heads of the science field and they need to get on the same page mm-hmm. and i feel like that would help tremendously just you know even get a little better of a grasp on what's actually happening and things that we can do to really help. reduce inflammation that's maybe not cutting it out or blasting it with chemo you know like you like kit was saying really truly tracing it back finding out what started it and then you know alleviating the things that you were doing that were causing the problems in the first place
1: so did you do any traditional therapies alongside of the holistic no, stuff? No, wow. none at all. Just I
2: haven't taken any pharmaceuticals. Um, so impressive. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> it's a stubbornness, too. I mean, just like I met with um, a doctor that I do work with, he wrote a book about healing your thyroid naturally, which is why I went to go see him initially. And then when I got cancer, he's um, he's very open-minded and kind of helped. You know, you know, it helped to go talk to him and tell him what I'm doing. And he actually... <laughs> Asked me the last time I saw him if I'd be willing to consult with some of his patients he called and asked if he could refer um, a woman who he was treating that was diagnosed with cancer she could call me right so he's a huge proponent of natural approach he does um, prescribe pharmaceuticals for things that he really thinks can help But yeah, most doctors um, are not given any nutritional training. I think I read that they get four weeks total of nutritional training. What they're primarily trained to do is write prescriptions. There's a symptom, write a prescription. So it makes sense why that's what they're primarily
1: doing. (laughs) No, definitely. So let's let's get down to, um, I guess some of the most important things that you found um, to help in this process. So I know you mentioned iodine. You know, you mentioned the gut. Like, what what steps did you take to um, address the iodine deficiency?
2: Let's start there. So, iodine. When this was before, I realized I had um, leaky gut. Um, so, when I read about the I, oh, I had such a great experience with this iodine. Um, just a true experience. Um, I came across a book called The Iodine Crisis. There's a website called BreastCancerChoices.org and it's written by a woman named Lynn Farrow and she had had breast cancer. She discovered the iodine deficiency epidemic that's going on and she um, wrote a book, but she also provided a protocol. So I started on that right away. And um, it did warn that you could have side effects, right? You have to take supporting nutrients with it. You can't just start taking iodine. You have to get the supporting nutrients so that your body's supported as you're going through that detox phase. and. It was right when um, I went to, no, I think I'd started the treatment in Mexico for a few weeks. I left to come home to, and then we drove back down and that's when I started. It was right in the middle of my treatment in Mexico and I started feeling really sick. Like I never get sick outside of the cancer debacle. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I have this really strong immune system and I never get the flu or a cold and I started feeling really lousy. And it dawned on me, it was the iodine. Mm-hmm. What happens is you need to take high amounts of vitamin C that helps open up your cells so that you can receive the iodine. But what happens is, is when the iodine is going in and the cells are opening up from this high rate of vitamin C, which I didn't have to worry about obviously because I was doing that intravenously, the halides dump (laughs) into your system and that's Mm. what causes you to feel sick. But, the, um, I instantly felt it in my thyroid, like my thyroid felt like it was going through atrophy. Well, your thyroid is the biggest consumer of iodine. So the minute I introduced iodine, my thyroid went out and was grabbing it because it was so deficient. I had, you know, I, I, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So I knew that. So, um, because it was so deficient it was, I was grabbing say, that do you
1: think the hypothyroidism was
2: linked to the iodine
1: deficiency
2: the or? hypothyroidism is actually hypothyroidism is linked to gut disorder gut oh, gut issues gut. slow digestion yeah all disease begins in the gut and that would be my advice to anybody that's where you start mm-hmm. is what do i need to do to heal my gut getting that operating correctly because that's your immune system that's you know you need that to be working correctly in order to support anything that you're doing so that's the first thing you start but yeah iodine was a really big eye opener and having actually experienced um, those side effects is what made me a huge believer right Right. so and I wouldn't really recommend this to anybody, but I ended up taking 200 micrograms of iodine a day. Really your body only needs 12.5, Wow. right? And I'm back down to 12.5 right now, but in the very beginning phases, it's a really good um, cancer treatment. So I was up to 200 um, for a a while there until I got my body kind of leveled out.
1: All the while still doing the high vitamin C Mm -hmm. to help to counteract Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. doing my coffee enema, still doing everything that I was doing, but introducing that was an eye-opener or learning about that. Okay, awesome. I want to go
1: on to, like, the gut now um, because are there things specifically, like, dietary things, mm-hmm. um, any sort of supplements or treatments that you did to actually get, like, that gut flora back in balance and get that gut Yeah, working? so
2: it's not a matter of just taking probiotics, right? Um, mm-hmm. You want to be, um, like, I, I make um, bone broth every week and I drink that every single day, but you don't wanna just buy regular conventional bones. You wanna make sure it's a very pure product. So I go to um, a store in my neighborhood, Novi Ranches. They sell bones from grass fed cows and I make a big batch of that. And I drink that every day. Collagen, it's collagen rich, right? But in addition to that, you've got all those really good minerals and enzymes. Mm -hmm. That's very good for healing the gut. Um, I think I had a I never had the you know my leaky gut tested but I know that I had an extreme case of it just because of how my skin looked so um, and I've just noticed huge changes as that's been clearing up but it took me several years right it's not something you know they say it takes a couple of months to heal leaky gut I think that if you have a mild form of it yeah it might take a few months but it literally took me years Wow to To finally get in front of the leaky gut issue. Just but to it, go
1: back for a second, what kind of skin changes were you seeing? So
2: what was happening with my leaky gut, because I have such a strong immune system, right? My blood was actually capturing those toxins and trying to push them out. So along my collarbones, I had um, these huge, I don't even know what, they're just like acne, pockets right Mm -hmm. these huge lumps i actually had to have one surgically removed in my mid-20s so i know that i've had leaky gut since then i'm now 58 so i know i've had it since then because of what was happening and then of course on my face sebaceous keratosis all of this over my face and then melia is another form of or or another indication that you have some form of leaky gut you know melia is like um little tiny um i don't know what you call them they're um and they're little white whiteheads underneath right. the skin, and you have oh, to okay, literally yeah. poke it with a pin in order to get it out. They're just and they lay underneath the skin, and I had that all over my face. And again, that was in my late twenties. So, um, since I've um, started healing my gut, all of that is going away. The sebaceous keratosis is now finally healing, and the the lumps against my collarbones are gone. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's an indication that what I'm doing is good. But mm-hmm. there's um there's a really good product out there called colostrum and I would highly recommend that. And to make a, um, a yogurt, it's called GC math yogurt and it's really high in vitamin D, but it's very healing for the gut. So it's that and bone broth, um, are two really good, um, products that you want to consider when treating leaky gut. But I was doing a lot of juicing too, like pure organic juicing. Greens is really important. Um, but with, um, Back to the breast cancer, if you don't have proper digestion, right, all cell and all hormone, hormone die off go through the digestive tract. Well, if you're not processing things correctly, then you get that buildup, and that bad estrogen then starts to back up into your system and can lead to breast cancer. Wow. Prostate cancer, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if it can even lead to fibroids, because, like, that's my situation no absolutely (laughs) your gut that can affect so So that's just another
2: form right like i was saying like i expressed it as cancer fibroids um iodine would really help you we're
1: seeing so many women these days that are having these reproductive issues that are having fibroids Mm -hmm. and things like that come up and and again the doctor is their first thing they just want to get it out they just want to remove it they want to cut it out they don't talk to you about dietary things they don't don't talk to you
0: about anything. Well, in um, Western medicine, that is the solution. You know, we don't study it like the Eastern side of the world does, where they look at it more holistically, more naturally first, and then if there's nothing that can be done, then they progress to a more invasive form of, you know, maybe surgery or, you know, chemo, something like that. So. Like I said, I've, I just, I wait for the day that the blending of the Western mm-hmm. and Eastern medicines finally meet in the middle. Yeah, I so really patients think that can
1: have like all the tools in the toolbox yes. available yeah. to them. rather than And not the feel biased
0: like or yeah. feel like your doctor's biased, you know, that's frustrating coming in as a patient needing help. And then you're having to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. almost in a sense, arguing with the doctor about how you're trying to treat your own body. So. Yeah,
2: if not for that multi-trillion dollar pharmaceutical industry, we might yeah. be a lot further along right. than we are very true but um in that book i mentioned the iodine crisis lynn farrow talks about how fibroids are a result of iodine deficiency wow Mm
1: -hmm. that's incredible i have some research to do for sure i can Um, help you thank you (laughs) um i know you've talked a little bit about the ketogenic diet with me so i think that let's go into that Um, okay
2: so the ketogenic diet is just kind of hilarious for me i mean just how I finally got on board with it 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 actually took you know because the ketogenic diet I read about it when I was doing my research and I thought that just doesn't sound right you know because I was doing all this juicing which is really high in carb and I thought mm-hmm. I'm not going to give that up and then um, I cut out meat and all of that dairy so I thought that it it did, it didn't sound right to me so mm-hmm. I just kept doing what I was doing and then When I started my treatment down in Mexico, this woman introduced ketogenic again, and I thought, well, maybe I need to go back and look at that, and I'm like, nope, that doesn't sound right for me right now, and it took my love um, being diagnosed, well, he had type 2 diabetes, but it took Mm. him reaching a point where they had to literally amputate his toe and just... That, that fear, like, what can we do? We've got to get this turned around for him. I mean, that's really extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So the ketogenic diet came up again. I thought, okay, let me dig into this. Let me really take a look at this. And from that perspective, it all of a sudden started making sense to me and why it's so good or such a good anti-cancer diet, right? And really good for type two diabetes is because it decreases the insulin levels, right? Cancer feeds off sugar. So there's a healthy way to do it and there's an unhealthy way to do it. There's a lot of websites out there that promote, you know, the cheese and the burgers and steak and just really, you know, that kind of fat heavy. I'm doing it from a different approach, right? Like we do um, nut butter and avocados and um, I do use ghee, which is a form of butter with the milk fat taken out and coconut oil and like we have a smoothie every day that has a half of an avocado in it and protein powder, a tablespoon of almond butter. I mean, back in the day, I would have never considered that What right? Because I, I just <laughs> would feel like I was going to get huge, you know, consuming food like that. But actually I lost, and I was already thin to begin with and have just maintained my weight. It hasn't, it's just... And and you feel so much better, like mm-hmm. instantly. My yes. brain function felt better because my brain was now finally getting the fat that right, it needed right. in order to operate correctly. And you're not so as
1: heavy after your meal, exactly. You and you stay sluggish. full, yeah. stay full for a yeah. lot
2: Slushy. longer, right? And you just it, it, you feel healthier, I think, too, because you know your brain's getting the fat that it needs, and it's very good for gut health. Yeah, for definitely. maintaining good gut health.
1: Well, and I, interestingly enough, we met somebody recently who said you can do the keto diet in a vegetarian way. Mm -hmm. Because in my head, I was like, how do you do these things together? But I mean, the the information is out
2: there. It really Um, is. And we eat a very moderate amount of protein, very small amount. It's very clean, clean protein, like um, chicken from free range, not um, cage free, free range. You know, I go to the farmer's market and I buy really... Healthy protein for us to eat.
1: Can you talk about the difference between cage free and free range? Yeah, because like, I know even with my eggs, I've been like, "Oh, okay, I, I, they can't just be organic. Like they have to be cage free, and they can't just say cage free for me. Now I have to find like a farm raised. Small farm, yeah, yeah,
2: small farm. They actually have seven acres to graze. <laughs> exactly, and, and and I mean, and that is the difference. <laughs> cage free means that they put them in a huge warehouse, and they're and they have to cut their beaks so that they yeah. don't poke each other to death and they're all cramped and it's still a very inhumane way to, to live and to raise those birds. It's disgusting. It's a lot of stress. A lot of stress. And That's two, they're feeding them soy and corn instead mm-hmm. of, you know, grass and bugs, mm-hmm. which, you know. Um, so, and, and soy, as we know, is just full of, um, It's a it's a GMO. It's a yeah. toxin, it's not good for your body and corn is not, has no nutrition in it. So you're not getting a nutritionally sound product anyway if you're doing cage free. It really does need to be pasture raised or free range. And um, I found a really good vendor at the farmer's market.
1: Yeah, well, and that's so, it's hard to find some of these things at your regular conventional grocery store. And i think part of you know being on this journey is actually getting connected back in with your community yeah. and oh, yeah. finding these places and supporting these farmers they work so hard Yeah,
0: right? local business in general and stuff like definitely. that definitely
2: yeah, yeah. Well,
1: and then knowing the person who's actually raising your food knowing the person who's actually growing that you know pe- vegetable that you're going to mm-hmm. eat then you know what goes on it because one of the things that shocked me in in the research i was doing was that just because something has a label of organic that doesn't really mean anything that like the regulations first of all are very very lacking and so the penalties for saying something's organic when it's not are it's just like a slap on the wrist it's not enough to actually keep somebody from doing that wrong um and then aside from that just because it's organic well there can still be organic like natural chemicals that are on there and right. those things can still have a bad effect on your body so yep. like we just started a garden at home so that we don't, like, we know what's going on it. Yeah,
0: raised garden there's Yeah, totally, n- no chemicals, nothing added, only what we're putting into it, so.
2: Yeah, absolutely, the best way to do it is to grow your own if you can.
0: Yeah, even, I mean, I wish we had enough land to have, you know, a few chickens grazing <laughs> around, to be honest, but.
2: No, definitely, but
1: when you when you can't, then, like, like how did you find your farmer's market?
0: So, it's,
2: it, it's a local, they're there every Sunday, and I just walked around and um, went to the organic. There's some there that are, you know, don't show organic, but they'll say they're pesticide free. That wasn't good enough for me mm-hmm. having cancer. So I go where they have the certificate. They've got the okay. certificate by the state of California that shows that they're organic. I
1: didn't know there was a certificate. That's, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah.
2: It's, it, it's very expensive. So some of the farmers there, I mean, bless them, they can't afford to pay. I think it's right. like $7,000 a year to pay for that certification. So some of them just simply can't afford it. It's, they right. can barely afford to be there selling their goods and they work really hard. But um, for me, it's important that it be certified, right? I think that you could be safe with somebody that says, no, it's pesticide-free. And the way you can tell is if there's holes in the leaves of the products. Interesting. You know, because that those bugs are getting on there. And did you know that actually holes in the leaves of like your spinach or kale are actually more nutrient-dense than if they didn't have the bug holes on them because it's activated the DNA in that plant. I was going to say the stress really?
0: probably helped yeah. yeah, so it actually that creates a more
2: nutrient-dense product, so which is kind of crazy because that's why they went conventional to begin with because they wanted everything to look pretty. Right. So they had to get rid of the bugs, but then the bugs are what causes it to be more nutrient-dense. Mm-hmm. crazy that we care more about how something looks than exactly. what it's actually doing for mm-hmm. our bodies yeah.
1: until you're the person who's having this effect in your body and then exactly. all of a sudden this perspective just totally shifts and changes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about perspective... I mean everything that you've been through like how has this changed the way that you look at things and the environment and what you allow into your body
2: it's completely changed it i was i was pretty much organic um you know i really kind of adhered to an organic approach before i got cancer but i it was crazy to me how incredibly laxed i was how much processed food i was eating like i mean i certainly wasn't drinking sodas and i was buying everything organic but not to the degree that I am now, right? Like I've cut out all processed foods and I only go to the farmer's market. You know, I'll go to Trader Joe's as a fill in for the things that I can't find um, and um, sometimes whole foods, but really I've just taken a much stricter approach at what I'm putting in my body and the benefits have just been tremendous. Like I feel so much better. It really is, I mean, the minute you change your diet and you heal what's going on inside of you that's causing all of these little, like Candida, like these women who are having chronic you know, yeast infections, that's your body telling you, you have a Candida overgrowth. And just because you clear it up in that area doesn't mean you've eradicated it. Like a Candida cleanse can take several months. And once you have Candida, you really have to go through the process and get that cleared out because it can create havoc in your system, it creates a biofilm, inflammation, um, and then it can start expressing itself as eczema. You know, the mm. toenail fungus—all of mm. that is a symptom that you've got an overgrowth of candida at a, you know, at a dangerous proportion. And right. you got to take care of it. And there's supplements out there to do that. And 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 you got to get serious about it. Yeah. Candida is probably one of the leading causes of um, a lot of the ailments that we're facing. That's the precursor. That's where it kind of starts and
0: mm-hmm. well, it's so easy to like you said you really have to get serious about it like you know Carly with her fibroid we started eating very different and like you mentioned started doing the keto diet and it's so easy on a busy day when you know it's been hectic and you were in a rush and you didn't get to eat food that you just stop somewhere quick and almost anywhere you go that's quick is not going to be healthy mm-hmm. and it's I mean you really have to train yourself to like associate those quick and easy things with dangerous health effects like yeah, I mean truly like, like we look at fast food places now and I'm like, you know, he's going to have surgery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, genuinely like, you know, like, oh, is that a good meal or is that me going to the hospital? Like, exactly. I mean, you really have to get serious. Like you said,
1: yeah, yeah actually doing self-care, caring about yourself and what's happening to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, there's an easy way sometimes to deal with some of these things that come up, which is just cutting it out, which doesn't, nec- it's not necessarily the better way, but I think for some people they feel it's the easier way. But when it comes down to it, I mean, if you really want. Get your quality of life back, and if you really want to take back control over these things and have your health back, I, you, everything that's worth it is worth working for. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, oh, yeah. definitely. So, um, so do you? You say your doctor is having you, you know, possibly consult with some patients and things like that. Now, do you do you do that? Do you talk to people? Do you have a place oh, where yeah. you are putting this information out where people can go and access and learn and maybe get on the path to trying to heal themselves?
2: So I started a website because I had such great results and I had learned so much that I felt like people just need to be aware that I just wanted to be that vehicle. I wanted to share what I had learned. Um, and I've been really waxed on my website for the last year or so just because of work, right? I work full time. Um, but I've just been, because you invited me to come do this, I'm feeling inspiration again to just get back on there and and complete the website and put because you know, th- I'm still learning, right I didn't stop learning, I'm still researching and I'm still learning and I'm still applying things and continue to do that. So I want to get back and, and you know kind of keep working on my website. but yeah, I've had people call me and I consult with them and you know, they tell me what's going on. I kind of give them advice or guidance. You know I'm not a medical person, right, right? I'm not licensed and anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just I, I'm a person who got diagnosed with a chronic illness and just took my power back. You know, mm-hmm. and and decided to treat it holistically, and just happened to have really good results. Yeah. Um, so I'm I I certainly do enjoy talking to people and kind of letting them know what I did. I don't give advice. Right. I just tell them what Entire I did. Tell your story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. What is your website? It's a hiddenwholeness dot com. Awesome.
1: That's. I think this is just going to be such a great resource for people out there just to. To encourage them and, and to give them hope back that, you know, there there's information out there, there's things that you can try, you don't have to just do chemo, you don't have to just, you know, put yourself through the, that, uh, it's, it's like torture, you know, yeah. it's, it, it, really it really is, is just yeah. kind of inhumane. Like. I
0: mean, I recently had my uh, grandfather pass from cancer and I mean, it's just, um, it's so frustrating to see these people, you know, they go to school, they're a doctor and... Me and Carly were sitting there, we flew in, you know, I'm originally from Kentucky, we flew in to visit him in his last days, and I was like, I'm no way a doctor, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or rude, but there are some very basic things that are being, like, overlooked tremendously by every single doctor in the room, and, like, we would mention something, and they'd be like, oh, Oh well, yeah. We actually we could do that. We you know we didn't think about that. And like having problems I with
1: constipation and giving him a nausea yes, medicine that's making, making him, him constipated,
0: constipated. And then and then
1: wanting to give him enemas and him just being scared to death. Like it, it was it, just a
0: nightmare. And I'm like, how are you trained doctors and you can't even like realize this. Side effects from the medications <laughs> that you're giving a cancer patient and
2: too, what about the insurer that they give these cancer patients, right? It's all sugar.
0: sugar. It's sugar. Yeah. Cancer That's feeds off sugar. sugar. That's all he was <laughs> drinking the entire Jello. Yeah All yeah. of it like it was so it was I mean I was watching my grandfather die knowing that there was someone out there that could do more and I had no way to Be that person or to find them in time to you know, make the difference yeah. So I can't tell you how grateful we are for you to even come on the show and talk at all oh, Like yeah, I mean my it pleasure means so much
2: my pleasure it all begins in the gut so anytime you're dealing with anything really that's the first place you need to focus is healing your gut because that's your immune system and that will give you the foundation to deal with whatever's going on you know and my cancer being aggressive it's not to say that i cured myself i'm in remission and i just work every day to make sure that i stay in remission of right cancer is a chronic illness once you have it you have it so i just have adopted a lifestyle now that i'm going to have to live that way for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But you're living. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm living. And powerfully <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's amazing. If if there's anything that you could say, if there's somebody who's watching this or listening right now, who has just recently gotten a cancer diagnosis or has been in it, you know, for a while, like what what is the message that you would want to leave with them?
2: Take a really deep, big, deep breath. You are not in a hurry to make any okay. decision right away, cancer takes anywhere from six to 12 years to grow to a point of detection. So you've had that disease for a very long time. So you don't have to do anything right now, right this minute, make any decision um, on treatment, right? Sit down, take a breath, do your research and listen to your body. Your body will guide you on what it needs nutritionally if you just tune yourself in and there are ways to do chemotherapy. You can do chemotherapy in extremely low dosage doses, right? Where you're not creating havoc on your immune system and killing everything. You can do it at a slow, you know, a slow dose. You don't have to go in there and just eradicate it, you know, kill it and get it done with, you know, take your time. There's a woman, you know, one of the women that I met in Mexico, she had had cancer for 12 years she'd been dealing with cancer and she was considered stage four, but there she was living. She wasn't in pain and she was going out and doing different treatments to, you know, to kick it back. And um, she wasn't in any pain. So for 12 years she was dealing with it. Me, I had mine cut out. It was um, extreme, but it helped me reset everything. And if I had to do it over again, I'd do it the same way because how, how large the tumor was. But even if you're at a later stage, just take a breath. Right? And um, really focus on nutrition because your immune system needs it. Yeah.
1: I think it's important for people to realize that everybody's body's different. Mm-hmm. What works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another. And that's right. the
2: confusing thing about chemotherapy, right? They're taking it and they're giving everybody with cancer chemotherapy when everybody's cancer didn't originate from the same place. Right. The same thing didn't cause it. So this blanket chemotherapy prescription for cancer Just is insane to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing time. Thank you so much for coming on um, Compassion Flow Radio and for just sharing your story with us and talking about your journey. And yes. um, I mean, I think this is life-changing information for people, and um, we're just really excited. And Thank you guys, everybody, for listening and watching. Yes. We're excited to bring you guys information about compassion, more stories about patients and what they've done to overcome and, and to really highlight the brands who are doing it right. So,
0: um, One more time, what was the website again that people can go to?
1: It's uh, hiddenwholeness.com.
0: Hiddenwholeness.com. That's awesome. Awesome.
1: Thank you, guys, and let the compassion keep on flowing. <laughs>
0: I can still get high. I can-